I have often said that there are no cupcakes in the NFL. Had a whole thing about it on yesterday's show. But I want to put that into action and kind of show you how I look at the Detroit Lions. And we'll get into some of your bold predictions here on the Locked On Vikings podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Brown. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Brown NFL. Shows on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. On today's show, it's Lions Preview Day, and we've already previewed the Lions once we played them once, so we kind of understand it a little bit, and so instead we can get a little bit more abstract. Uh, also, your bull predictions at the end of the show. Don't you dare think I forgot, so we got some weird stuff to talk about, as always, always a fun way to wrap up the week. So, let me talk to you about the Lions, and I, I, I went on a whole diatribe on yesterday's show, if you missed that, and listen to Crossover Thursday and stuff. I want to take the Lions seriously, and the Vikings will take the Lions seriously. No NFL team will fall into the trap of, like, overlooking, like, no, that's, there are no cupcakes in the NFL, and everybody understands that they, there's always professionals on the other side of the ball. Um, but I want to kind of take you through that exercise, like, practically, because I think the the majority of of coverage of this game that I've seen, it, and it was true the, in the last matchup as well, is, well, they better not lose to these guys. Or maybe a step further than that, uh, you know, the, the Lions are bad and here's all the players who are bad and kind of a who's who of what's wrong with them. But I want to do a what's what of what's wrong with them and kind of identify the weak spots that they have and how we can kind of attack that. And I, I think what it really comes down to is that the Lions want to be somebody that they aren't capable of being, that they don't have the players to be. And they're trying to set stuff up that other teams do, and they just aren't as good at it. Um, and in those ways, there are like opportunities to sort of take advantage of them. And that's the kind of thing I want to see the Vikings do a better job of. Because here's the deal. We are disappointed, right, that they didn't cover the spread against these guys uh, last time that they played them. They won by two. They were supposed to win by like 10. Um, and that's disappointing. So how do we just put the screws to these guys, right? I want to walk away from this thing covering a 30-point victory. Like, I'm sick of this one field goal crap. I want to kill them. But they're a little healthier than last time. Penny Sewell looks a little better. We're a little less healthy than last time. Um, Michael Pierce, it's maybe will come off IR. We'll maybe have Dalvin Tomlinson, who, by the way, came back from the COVID IR list. But like so many other players have, he might not quite be ready to go. He's still limited in practice and stuff. Of course, you know, we had both Griffin and Hunter last time we played these guys. Not the case anymore. And it's in Detroit, which is going to have that level of advantage as well. Um, And I think part of what happened in that other game, and this is the first thing I want to talk about, is motion and pulling and kind of confusion at the line of scrimmage. It's not unlike what we just contended with with the 49ers. The 49ers are a lot better about it for reasons I'll get into in a second, but basically the Lions run a lot of the same power and counter 
and um, all of these different run plays and then use motion guys coming across. And what they're trying to do, and I think it's a little different than what the 49ers do, but what the Lions try to do is create confusion. And I don't think they are quite aggressive enough about this. Most defenses can handle some level of exchanging a gap or replacing. Um, but it's that's the, the point, right? Or to create numbers advantages and stuff and, and try to move guys around at the line of scrimmage to create confusion and try to set up opportunities that way. They also have this like drop pack passing game, which I'll talk about in a little bit too, that is just not all that potent. They want to do a lot of like deep shot plays, but they like then they have Jared Goff who can't really throw that ball. And it's kind of its own weird uh, failure. Of, that's kind of all on the Lions. But with the motion stuff, here's the difference between the Lions and the 49ers. Even though they're taking very similar approaches spatially to offense, the 49ers are a very controlled chaos. That's why I came away from that game so impressed with Kyle Shanahan. Um, you know, if you motion somebody from, say, the backfield out wide, out to the the flat, and then you s- snap the ball during that motion, somebody's going to widen out with that guy. And I don't think the 49ers necessarily knew who that person would be. I don't think they necessarily cared who that person would be. They knew that if somebody is on the running back, that person's going to be in the box. And if you widen out that running back, somebody's going to widen out with them. And knowing that that person is widening out, widening out, a lot of the 49ers plays would then take advantage of that guy widening out or they would, you know, understand that somebody would deepen or somebody would cross from one side of the formation to the other and then they would take advantage of that. Um, they understand how defenses respond to motion and then they have that like second step, that second layer of subversion that takes advantage of that response to motion. I don't think the Lions do a very good job of that second step, but I do think they do a reasonable job of creating confusion. And so it's going to be very important in this game. And I do think the Vikings had some struggle in in their last game against the Lions in keeping their fits straight, um, kind of keeping themselves from getting confused on where they're supposed to attack and where they're supposed to park themselves. Um, a lot of run defense, you know, there's kind of one or two players who are going to be tasked with actually getting in, penetrating and chasing the back down. And everybody else's job is to just hold their spot and stalemate. Um, and if you don't know what spot you're supposed to hold, if you hold the wrong spot, the whole play falls apart from a run defense perspective. Um, I, I think run defense can be just as fragile as run offense is when all of these pieces kind of have to find their own gap. And if one guy messes up, the running back can find that and punish it. However, I think, and this is a big critique that I would have of the way the Lions offense is constructed. It's a lot of aimless confusion. They, I don't think, do a very good job of kind of taking advantage of that confusion or taking advantage of the common responses to the challenges that they pose to offenses or to defenses. So your normal solution against the Lions can work. If you want a game plan against the 49ers, let's say the Vikings were going to play the 49ers again, they probably would have to change the way that they respond to certain motions and shifts and pre-snap indicators. They would have to mess with that so that they could mess with the way the 49ers think the Vikings are going to behave. The Lions, there's no control to their chaos, So you just have to be reactive enough to deal with a little bit of chaos. And I think most defenses in the league have that. It's kind of why the Lions haven't won a game yet. 
Um, and I think the Vikings can have that too. They just have to do a better job of staying disciplined than they did last time. Now, there's also some elements to the passing game of the Lions that I kind of want to talk about too. Um, but first, you listen to shows like this one for the power of the inside track. Maybe level up a little bit. You switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money. Because with Boost, you get the power of a free 5G phone. So you can listen to the latest episodes and keep up with your favorite players and teams. The power of three unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month per line. So your family can share all of the insights. And the power of one of America's largest 5G networks. So you can do it all at the speed of 5G. With all that money you'll save in the edge you'll gain, just how powerful will you become? Switch to Boost Mobile and find out. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A32 5G when you switch to one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save. Boost Mobile. Free phone limited to new customers and one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers and coverage not available everywhere for all phones and networks. See BoostMobile.com for details. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar, rich with decadent flavor, covered in 100% chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat. And hey, chock full of protein. You get the best of both worlds. Delicious. Satisfy those cravings. Don't feel bad about it. And get a good dose of protein as well. So many flavors like double chocolate, cookies and cream, peanut butter, brownie. Built Bar gives you that extra fuel you need to get everything you need done for the holidays. And hey, here's a pro tip. Dip one of those bad boys in a cup of hot cocoa. You can thank me for that one later. And right now, for probably a limited time, they have marshmallowy flavors. They're Built Bar Puffs, and it's like marshmallowy on the inside. It's absolutely fantastic. So whatever you're going to buy, go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, all one word, and you get 15% off of your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off of your order at Built.com. So one of the interesting things that I think led the Vikings to beat the Lions and to be really, really successful on defense was that they gave Eric Kendricks, in particular, a ton of leeway to kind of freelance. And it's something that that Mike Zimmer will do. He complains about freelancing a lot, but he will give his like trusted veterans the leeway to sort of abandon the structure of the play if they see what they think they see. So you get these kind of coach on the field types. Harrison Smith can do it. Eric Kendricks can do it. Barr can do it. Um, they can sort of wing it a little bit. And I think that works really well against the chaotic sort of dance that the Lions do. Um, If the Lions are going to pull two people off the interior of the line and try to do a sweep with that or something like that, the linebacker can shoot that gap. And we've talked about shooting gaps before. Um, And I even wrote an article about shooting gaps and tackling and stuff. It was more of a, a review of the 49ers game, but it's still something that um, is, is going to come up here. And it's something that the linebackers have the leeway to do. If they see it, they can go. Um, but I think the idea that instead of trying to sift through and figure out what's my gap now, blah, blah, blah. If Eric Kendrick sees where the play is going, he just chase it down. And, you know, to hell with the gaps. I'm going to get in the backfield and mess stuff up. Um, and, and I think that came in handy a lot against the Lions. I think that ruined a lot of plays against the Lions. I think they should do it again. But another thing that I think the Vikings do, and I, it went like okay against the Lions, a lot of their match coverages have some specific weak spots, and, and, and there is no coverage without a weak spot. So a lot of times picking a coverage is picking, what am I going to be okay with losing to here? And a lot of times the the 
answer the Vikings have. And you probably see it a lot if you just watch a game and just kind of make a mental note every time you see the Vikings give up this completion, that that seven yard out completion, they give that up a lot. And the more I'm learning about their coverages, the more I'm realizing that that's kind of part of the design, a weakness of the design, I guess. But it's a weakness that the Vikings are okay with because to fix it, you'd have to kind of resolve to give up something else. The reason that that's there is because they're coaching um, their cornerbacks against certain looks and stuff to basically defend the post, defend, defend deep and inside a little bit. So there is a seven-yard outbreaking route that's a little more medium, a little more out, um, that sort of takes advantage of how soft those corners are playing um, that is kind of there. And it's it's so interesting, this, this dynamic that just fascinates me. A seven-yard passing play, both the offense and defense will chalk that down as an acceptable outcome. And I think that's so funny. Um, you know, I mean, a seven-yard play is absolutely like a successful play in most contexts, unless it's like third and 20. Um, but in most contexts, a seven-yard play is a successful play for the offense. But for the defense, if they're going to pass and they only get seven yards, we kind of take it. It's weird. Like any defensive coach, this isn't just a Zimmer thing. Um, but bearing that in mind... Um, part of it too is that that seven yard pass was probably a better alternative to say, you know, giving up like the deep post for 30 or something else, you know, more heinous than that. And that seven yard out, it's kind of a difficult ball to throw. You kind of have to zip it in there. The, the you've got to hit the right throwing window and stuff. That's kind of a difficult thing to do. So it, seeing those get completed all the time and, and the lions utilized this a ton, uh, we're kind of okay with it, even though that kind of comprised like a, a big chunk of the Lions production. Eventually, you have to do something else over the top or you have to run the ball or something better than that, because Jared Goff just ain't going to hit all of them. And uh, I think it, I forget who the defensive coach was, somebody that was doing a clinic that I was watching. And say, I mean, nobody lost a game on only six yard gains, even though you could theoretically get six yards over and over and over again all the way to the end zone. Nobody ever lost a game that way. Uh, because eventually you have to have something to subvert it. And so the Vikings are always going to be okay giving that up. But another weakness of their coverages came with some like shallow crosses coming from one side of the field to the other, because that confuses the match rules. A lot of the match rules are set up for say like a four over three setup or a three over two setup, which just means I have three defenders on this side of the field. You have two receivers on that side of the field. And so our coverage is designed to kind of take advantage of that dynamic and where the spacing is and all that stuff. Um, but the a, a shallow cross, a quick crossing route coming across the field will turn a three over two setup into a three over three setup. And another defender has to come from that side of the field over to keep it a four over three setup. And the rules of four over three is going to be different than the rules of three over two. So everybody's got to process that rule change quickly. And again, they're just trying to create confusion. And I thought they did a decent job of that. Um, basically, the way that the that defenses will handle that situation a lot of the time is that they will ask somebody to come across the formation with that guy. But that guy will often be lined up too far outside to chase it or too deep or something like that. And that little shallow cross can be open. And teams have gotten the Vikings on that a lot. And I think the Lions will as well. But those are cheap gimmies that aren't worth a lot. And something deeper has to happen. So kind of like I said last time, and look, they held the guys to 17 points. It wasn't exactly a bad defensive outing, except for like at the very end, the collapse. Um, so... 
I, I think it's okay to kind of run back what you did last time, which is back everything off, you know, keep your things, uh, you know, keep things in front of you, rally, tackle reasonably, and play the run really, really aggressively. Um, shoot those gaps. If you see it, go get it and and play really aggressively, punish all that razzle-dazzle at the line of scrimmage, um, and I think you can get them behind the chains, and then suddenly that little stupid five-yard out isn't good enough, and that's how you can really get the Lions. Um, but hey, let's wrap up this week with some fun, bold predictions. I got some bold predictions from you. We have bold predictions, of course, from last week as well to go over. Um, but if you have less bold predictions, like just who's going to win, what the split is, what the over-under is going to be, you can gramble it at betonline.ag. It's your one-stop shop for all things grambling where you can find bets on pro football, college football, basketball, hockey, MMA, whatever you want, even your favorite Vegas casino games. So use promo code locked on when you sign up L O C K E D O N all one word, you get a 50% welcome bonus. That is 50% of your first deposit matched and dropped right into your account as free play money. It's free grambling money just for using promo code locked on when you sign up at betonline.ag where the game starts. Are you ready? Are you ready to get real bold? Because it's time for the bold predictions we're doing this every single week if you have a bold prediction you can send it to me at locked on vikings or at luke braun nfl on twitter usually put the call out somewhere around thursday before we get into the ones for the lions game we got to go back to the 49ers game and revisit the bold predictions from last friday the first one came from king squeaks who got so close king squeaks said that the 49ers running backs would rush for over 200 yards and three touchdowns combined could include debo but anything caught doesn't count so I kind of said, okay, your top two rushers. Um, I sort of restricted that. And by restricting that, that was actually the difference. Um, that, you know, because I just thought like an over 200-yard rushing game as a team wasn't that crazy. But if your top two guys get it, then, then, then sure. Their top two rushers got 199 and three touchdowns. He said 203 touchdowns. He missed it by a yard. So close. But obviously you got there in spirit, right? Uh, I gritty like Kirk said the Vikings offense wouldn't get the ball until the second quarter. Another one that sort of cashed in spirit. Um, and like there was like a couple of those really, really long drives the 49ers wanted to have. But of course, the Vikings started with the ball. So we, you had to like win the coin flip to get that, which made it bold in the first place. Um, but yeah, that was that was a fun one to look at. Our lead G13 said that Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk would combine for more rushing yards than Jefferson has receiving yards. We actually had two in here that were really made close by Debo Samuel getting a really having a really big day on the ground. Um, they combined for a total of 70 rushing yards. Justin Jefferson had 83. So you were in the ballpark. That was, uh, again, uncomfortably close. Uh, I, I toy said the Vikings would get at least three touchdowns, none of them by a running back. Uh, or three rushing touchdowns, none of them by a running back. Uh, obviously, that one didn't cash. Goggles uh, had a whole thing about Trey Lance coming in and having a breakout performance and the, like how the game would end. Obviously, that one didn't come to fruition, but I loved the storytelling of it. Uh, and then finally, we had Easy Cheese Wizard, who said that Cousins would throw an interception, but force a fumble on return, setting up a first down for the offense. We had the interception, um, and Kirk Cousins, I don't think Kirk Cousins got that tackle. But, uh, you know, obviously no no fumble or anything. They just had the ball on the five and then punched it in immediately, which was nice, I guess. Anyways, let's go to uh, the week 13 
bold predictions about the Lions game. Again, for these, I'm looking for creativity. I'm not looking for, uh, you know, a whole bunch of people think they're funny being like the Vikings don't have this game come to the final uh, play because all of the plays, all the games have come down to the final play. And it's the man, you're not the first one to make that joke. But there are some ones that I think are very fun. The first one comes from Chris, who said that neither of the players with the most rushing yards on either team will be a running back. This would have been a more fun one last time. Uh, it wouldn't have come true because Elijah Mitchell had 133 yards. But I, I, I do like the idea of having um, like Justin Jefferson on a jet sweep. You know, he'll go 70 yards and that'll be like the, the rushing leader or something like wacky like that. I will say for this, just uh, to for posterity, CJ Ham counts as a running back. I don't think that's going to come up, but in case it comes up. Uh, Legend of Korra says that there would be five league changes in the last quarter. I do love the wording of this is the last quarter, meaning it could be overtime. But of course, it's impossible to get five lead changes in an overtime. But if there is an overtime, uh, you said last quarter. Sorry, Korra. Uh, but five lead changes in the, in the in the fourth quarter does feel like very Vikings gamey, like just this crazy like back and forth in the fourth quarter. Um, five lead changes would be quite a bit though. Uh, Jorge Regula said 21, 17 Vikings win the twist, zero touchdowns on offense, zero field goals. And Jorge said that there would be two kick return touchdowns and a pick six. I'm not going to hold you to the specifics or I don't care about your final score prediction. Um, but zero touchdowns on offense, but at least three Vikings touchdowns, they can have 24 points or they can have more defensive touchdowns or whatever. I, I, but basically the, the prediction is going to be three Vikings touchdowns at least, but no offensive touchdowns and no, I guess no offensive, uh, field. So no scoring drives, all weird touchdown, uh, nonsense. Uh, Seth Tupal, by the way, you should go listen to Locked on Wild. He hosts Locked on Wild if you're watching the wild season. Um, Seth said that there would be 31 combined penalties. So I look, I, I did a little research on this and the record is 39 penalties in the game. That's the most ever it happened back in the 70s. So there is precedent for a game with 31 combined penalties. It has been a long time since we have had a game that penalized, but I believe there's been a lot more flags in the league this year, and certainly a lot of flags in Vikings games. I'm not going to put it past him. Uh, Connor just said Alexander Madison would have a return touchdown. I particularly like this one because it's just on the edge between like plausible and, and possible <laughs> uh, because Alexander Madison is like the up man on kickoffs. He's he and I think CJ Ham are the two guys that are the primary blockers in front of uh, Kenny Wangu in kickoff returns. So if there were say a squib kick, which is totally a possibility considering that Wangu's got a bit of a reputation now and maybe somebody doesn't want to kick to him. So if there's a squib kick, that could definitely end up in Alexander Madison's hands. And if there is a kick in Alexander Madison's hands, look, anything can happen. Now, I don't think he quite has the speed that Wangu has, but uh, again, anything can happen. And it's not like he's a slow guy. He's like, he's still a running back. He's going to outrun, you know, most of your like random defensive linemen or whoever's on a kickoff coverage unit. He's going to outrun the kicker and stuff. So yeah, maybe we could see that happening. Uh, and the final one comes from Kyle Slaby, the champ, the only one to get one of these right. He says that Jay Feely will talk about the collective troubles with both teams that both teams have had with a kicking game this year, missed uh, PATs, missed game winners, and Lions losses on the uh, on on last second kicks, etc. Five separate times, and neither team misses a kick all day. So I don't think broadcasts will ever do the same point five separate times. Um, but I will say. 
I will I will back this off for you a little bit. I think both teams need to have a video compilation in the broadcast of kicking woes, be they the Lions losing on last second kicks or be they, you know, a Greg Joseph compilation of the wild up and down season he's had. Both teams have a kicking compilation and neither team misses a kick. If you get that parlay, I'm giving this to you. And you know what? Thinking about that, that actually seems a little too easy because I do think both teams are going to like reasonably get a kicking thing. So those kicking uh, compilations do have to like directly jinx the next kick in a positive way. They ha- it has to be look at the the Lions and their kicking woes and then the Lions set up and make a kick and then look at Greg Joseph. He's missed all of these. And then Greg Joseph come like the the tone of the kicking segment needs to be directly opposite to the made kicks that we are also predicting. Um, it'll be a weird one to judge. We'll, we'll take it next Friday when we get back to it. But hey, however this game goes, we'll be here to pick up the pieces. Hopefully this will be a, f- a more fun one to break down than the last Lions game, which was a bit of a stodgy mess. Uh, we will uh, we'll figure it out when we get there. In the meantime, check out the Locked On Bets podcast. Your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling will help you get your grambles straight. Thanks so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day each and every day. I'll see you all next week. And as always, skull.